I'm Gary Bembridge, and this is Tips for Travellers, the global travel destination podcast. Each month, a new destination is featured with recommendation, advice, and tips based on the first-hand travel experience I gain from the two to three times a month I travel all over the world. You may also want to check out the Tips for Travellers video podcast, a sister podcast which features videos are made of hotel rooms or attractions with commentary and recommendations linked to the destination featured each month in this audio podcast. To find out more, visit tipsfortravellers.com. For travellers is spelt with two L's, the UK way, or email me at gary at mytravelreviews.co.uk. You can subscribe to one or both of the podcasts by searching for Tips for Travellers or Gary Bembridge on iTunes or your favourite podcast directory. I'm Gary Bembridge and this is Tips for Travellers podcast. Remember you can find out more at tipsfortravellers.com, the blog, or you can search on iTunes for Tips for Travellers and there you will find this audio podcast. You'll also find you can subscribe to a video podcast and there's also the Tips for Travellers iPhone app which I'll tell you about at the end of the show. On this episode, we're going to talk about Cape Town. In fact, this podcast is Cape Town Revisited. I've been to Cape Town about five times now, and it's definitely one of the most favorite places I have ever visited. And although I usually prefer to go to new places and see new things, Cape Town is a place I like to go back to, and I've always had a great time. The last podcast I did was in about 2005, when I rather pompously made Cape Town my destination of the year. But since I've been back a few times, learned a bit more, I've updated this podcast with some more information and slightly different tips, which are about getting to see some of the great things just outside the city. Cape Town, as you know, is on the very southern tip of Africa and is one of the administrative capitals of the country. They alternate the meeting of parliament between Cape Town and the official capital city of Pretoria. Now, Johannesburg is probably one of the best-known cities in South Africa and is also the biggest in South Africa. Now, many people actually think it's the capital, but while Johannesburg is the largest city and it's also where the major financial activity takes place and where all the gold wealth is, it's not a capital. South Africa is made up of a number of what used to be independent states many, 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 many years ago. And each of them, not surprisingly, therefore had a capital. So when it became one nation, Cape Town and Pretoria became the two administrative capitals, one originally more English, Cape Town, and one more Afrikaans, Pretoria. Now, Cape Town is stunning. And as I mentioned, it's right down there on the coast. It has the famous iconic symbol of Table Mountain. The city really sort of nestles between Table Mountain and the coast. There's lots of amazing restaurants. There's lots of amazing places to stay. It's very, very funky. It's very trendy, as Cape Town is also where a lot of the creative industries are, particularly filmmaking. A lot of films, commercials are made by European companies, you know, there now. So there's a kind of vibrant, creative thing going on around the city. There's a huge amount to do, no matter what your interest They range from Table Mountain, the Victorian Alfred Centre for Shopping, Robben Island, Cape Point, Simonstown, the Penguins, yes, Penguins, beaches, and so much more. I will come to all of these a little bit later. Let's talk a little bit about some of the downsides of Cape Town, or less glamorous side of Cape Town first, and then let's get back to the positives, so get the kind of negatives out the way. I've already mentioned it's very beautiful. It's got beautiful beaches, beautiful scenery, beautiful people, beautiful architecture. Lots of interesting architecture dates back from its early settlers' day with English and Dutch influences through to modern, funky, trendy guest houses and hotels. 
But that's all within the area of Cape Town that nestles between the famous iconic Table Mountain and the beaches. When you land in Cape Town and you journey from the airport into town, you pass miles and miles of shanty towns where a lot of the black population live. There's rows and rows of little shanty towns made of iron and other bits and pieces, and obviously a lot of poverty. There are a lot of people walking in the streets and lots of buses, and although within South Africa the apartheid system ended quite some time ago, there still feels and looks to be a really big division between the haves and the have-nots. Particularly in Cape Town, it still feels like it's split more on racial lines, unlike, say, my experiences in Johannesburg, which does seem a little bit more... Uh, more, more integrated, more multiracial. So as you pass all of these shanty towns and areas, you eventually enter into the city of Cape Town, and you do feel like you're entering a completely different world. It's very European-like. It feels almost like you're in Spain or, or somewhere Mediterranean. And although it seems to be changing in, in the restaurants, there still seems to be a lot of kind of white students living, uh, working there. It's a little bit strange when you consider all the political changes in South Africa, but it is without a shadow of doubt, an absolutely stunning place. And you do feel that things are changing, if perhaps slower than one would have expected. The city used to have a, a terrible reputation for crime, and at one stage had a murder rate of the scale per thousand as close to places like Mexico. A lot of crime was in the various townships and suburbs, which had been racially divided in the apartheid days. But I have to say that each time I've been to the city, I feel safer and safer, and, and I'm not sure if this is through familiarity. But talking to locals, they do also feel the same, and they feel a lot has been done to bring down crime. You do have to be cautious, though, and you are encouraged to drive with car doors locked. At night, you're warned not to stop and be very aware of where you go. They have these guys who will stand guard of your car when you park it, and these are now actually regulated, and you pay them a tip and they ensure your car is safe. Cape Town used to be a fairly cheap place to be, and once you were there, if you were from Europe or USA, the exchange rate made eating and shopping quite reasonable. Less so now, but it's still, once you're there, it's relatively inexpensive. But it is pretty an expensive place to get to because it's very far away from anything. Distances are very far, and so you have to fly. And internal flights are very expensive, so flying direct is even better. So let's talk a little bit about what are my tips for travellers to Cape Town. What is the best time to visit? As Cape Town is in the southern hemisphere at the very, very southern tip of Africa, the best time of the year to visit is in their summer, which runs from about August-September time through to about March-April time. I visited Cape Town in both March and December, and both times have been great, nice weather. Uh, March, the advantage it has is not peak time. December is very much peak time, and also sometimes can be incredibly windy. It's very, very popular at Christmas, both for international and local South Africans to vacation, and gets much more expensive, and accommodation is harder, and of course getting to restaurants is harder. But on the plus side, it's beautiful weather, and it's very buzzing. In terms of getting there and getting around, Cape Town has a good 11 to 12 hour flight from most of the major cities in Europe. Much further, of course, if you're coming from the USA, many European airlines do fly direct to the city, particularly in the season. And it's worth doing that, because from Johannesburg, it's a two-plus-hour flight alone, and internal flights are quite costly, and it's definitely not worth driving from Johannesburg, as the drive is very long indeed and not very scenic or interesting. 
One great way to get to Cape Town or from Cape Town, if you're in the Johannesburg Pretoria area and have a lot of cash, is either the Blue Train or Rovos Rail. These are luxury trains and, and very expensive, but quite an experience. Rovos Rail, I have a podcast and blog posting about and takes about two nights and is an amazing experience. The Blue Train is still run by the South African uh, Railways and it takes one night. You get to see amazing scenery parts and quite an experience for the rest. It is a good idea to hire a car when you're in Cape Town. Uh, they drive on the same side as the UK. It's easy to find your way around. And of course, these days with sat-nav everywhere, it's even easier. There are all the usual car rental services, and the desks are just as you come out of the customs area in the airport. Now, I also recommend a car. As you will see, there are many great places around the outskirts, about an hour or so drive, and it's really worth getting to. There's a lot of private minibus taxi services, but they're hectic, packed, a bit crazy, and you do really need to know how they work. So where to stay? Hotels are relatively expensive for foreign tourists, and one of the big blossoming things in Cape Town, which I highly recommend, is the guest house market. Many people have turned these very beautiful old colonial Cape Dutch-style houses in various parts of the town into guest houses. They're beautifully trendy, they're amazing, and very cost-effective. I would encourage you, if you go to Cape Town, to perhaps not look so much on Expedia or Travelocity and hotels, but look for guest houses on tripadvisor.com or sites like capetown.org or capetown.net. We stay at Derwent House, which is usually number one or number two on TripAdvisor, and on my blog at tipsfortravelers.com, there's review, photos, and video. It's really good. Uh, or you can visit actually my YouTube channel, Tips for Travelers, and take a look. They're two ex-English uh, ladies, and their team, they run a fantastic place, and it's a great location. So let's talk about things to do. Table Mountain has to be the first. Table Mountain is what makes Cape Town instantly recognizable and is what the city is best known for. It's certainly very impressive. It creates a wonderful backdrop to the city. They've done a pretty good job of protecting the natural beauty of the mountain as well. It's a huge mountain, which is why fairly few people had ever been to the top until the 1920s, because you really had to be quite fit to climb up it. This change went finally in the 1920s, or Norwegian guy, whose name I will massacre here, uh, Trygiv Tromsø, had an idea to build a cableway, a cable car, and eventually raised the money. In October 1929, it opened. The cable car is a must-do. Everyone who's been to Cape Town, including famous people like Queen Elizabeth II, Oprah Winfrey, Arnold Schwarzenegger, anyone who's been basically to Cape Town has gone up the cable car. There's a very efficient cable car. It runs from 8 o'clock in the morning till about 10 o'clock at night in the peak summer season. It carries about 40 or more people, and 900 people can go up and down in an hour. Now, saying that, it's still best to get there early, or you can wait for up to two hours, as some people do, to get up, and then another two hours coming down over the Christmas peak time. Now, on the blog and on YouTube, I actually have a video of the ride. The cable car ride is quite something. The floor rotates, so everyone gets a good view of everything. It's quite, it is quite amazing. And for those who are not so keen on heights, it can be a little bit scary, but it, it looks and feels much better when you're in the car than watching it going up. At the top of the mountain, there are paths laid out uh, to protect the park. You must stay on them. There can be some crime on the mountain as people target tourists, and so you're asked to always stick to the paths and where people are. There's a restaurant gift shop. They're not especially good ones either. They're neither the restaurant nor the gift shop. The top of the mountain can be in clouds, and so people tend to wait for clear days before going up because otherwise you're above the clouds and you're, all you get to see is clouds and not the view. But the clouds move pretty quickly, and, and so it's still worth going up. It can get very windy in Cape Town, and so they may close the mountain on the cable cars. They have this big siren that goes to, to take the head off the mountain. And if 
If it does, go, because uh, otherwise you're going to find yourself climbing down. So even on hot days, take something with you because it can be relatively chilly at the top. Signal Hill is my next tip. Although Table Mountain is best, the best-known mountain in Cape Town for people to go up for views of the city and surrounds, there's another amazing vantage point that many never get to, and this is Signal Hill. I like Table Mountain, which requires a long trek on foot or a cable car ride. That's certainly not for anyone who doesn't like heights. You can drive up Signal Hill. Signal Hill is very popular on tours and for locals to head up to have a glass of wine and watch the sun go down. It does give you a very breathtaking view both in the daytime and even more so in night. It's really amazing at night. You can see Cape Town stretching out in a glistening array of light at night. It's very, very nice. This large mountain apparently got the name as it was used to signal to ships out at sea about coming into port and later was then used to fire a cannon at noon so ships could set their navigation clocks. And still today the cannon is fired daily at noon. In years past, the cannon was fired up to three times. It would signal that a ship was in trouble or had wrecked and people were prepared to look out for survivors and, of course, for cargo being washed, washed up. The drive down the hill is a little bit scary for those who don't like heights as you're on the, the right you're right on the side of the kind of the huge drop. But it's definitely worth a trip up there. Do it twice, once in the day and then at night. And if you're only going to do it once, do it at night. My next tip is Robin Island. and This is probably the most emotional day out I've ever had. It's an essential part of a trip as it's such a key part of South African history and the place where Nelson Mandela spent most of his 25 years of uh, in prison on. At the V&A shopping area on the seafront is where the Robben Island Embarkation Building is. Now, Robben Island is about 10 or 12 miles out from Cape Town in the middle of the bay. It's got a very long history, and it's not at all very pleasant. For about 400 years, it has always been used as a place where exiled or outcast people have been put, such as lepers. But it's probably best known as where, during the years of apartheid, the government put their political prisoners. So people like Nelson Mandela spent around 25 years there. It's about a four-hour round trip. You catch a catamaran, it takes about 30 minutes out to Robben Island. And once you get there, an ex-political prisoner usually, who was incarcerated there, will show you around. Before going to the prison, you go on a tour around the whole island, including where the guards and their families used to live. You visit the Lime Pit Quarry, where the political prisoners used to work. And they explain how people like Nelson Mandela used to go there day after day after day and work in this blazing heat. Then they finally take you to the prison and you see the cells where men were held for. It's, it's quite shocking how tiny the cells were and understand that these were home for many people for up to 25 years. In each cell there's a little box on the wall which has one personal item that the prisoner who occupied that cell all that time left or gave for, to, be, you know, to be used in the cell. It could be a comb, it could be a card and some have recorded a short audio talking about their time there. And on each of the cells is a little laminated card with a picture of the prisoner and their story. And it's just heartbreaking. They then also show you around the workout area, the dining rooms, the dormitories, and they tell you their own personal story. It really is the most amazing experience. And it's something that you just have to do. One of the things that surprised me, actually, is a lot of people who live in South Africa and live in Cape Town don't seem to have been there. And that, that may just be because they're trying to move on and they don't want to go back and revisit the past. But it is a very emotional day. It's one of the most emotional days I've ever had. And the sad thing is, when you hear the story of the prisoners taking you around, many return to the place to work because they've actually struggled to adapt and work and survive once they'd left the prison, having been there so long. My next tip 
is the Kirstenbosch Gardens. Now, I've been to Cape Town four times before I ever visited Kirstenbosch Gardens, despite it being recommended to me many, many times. It seemed to me and sounded like a really dull day out to go and visit a botanical garden. But we decided to actually go and do it finally, and it turned out to be a very beautiful and breathtaking morning out. The gardens were established in 1913 to protect and conserve indigenous plant life, and it's huge, about 528 acres. And the reason they're so much better than many of the gardens of the type around the world is the backdrop of the gardens, where you just have the most magnificent mountains, and the, and the, and the gardens are just kind of nestled under them. The gardens are very lush. And the one thing you notice as you drive around the famous Cape Town Table Mountain on this, you know, from the seaside is how lush the territory gets. Now, I assume this is some kind of geographical thing, which I probably should have known. But it's amazing how on one side it's very dry, which is the seaside, and the other side it's incredibly lush. The gardens are, are framed by what I think are called the Twelve Apostles, which are part of the mountain range that Table Mountain Adventure becomes part of. And so it makes for great images and great pictures. Now, I'm not a plant buff and didn't dwell on the various sections where, you know, other than to enjoy the way they've been laid out and planned. But there was, it was very different. It was very interesting. And even as a non-plant buff, there was a constantly changing things and looks and layouts to keep your interest, there was babbling brooks, there was art exhibitions, sculptures, aromatic plant walkways, guinea fowl and other birds kind of strolling by. And in the huge grounds, they also hold concerts quite regularly in the summer, which, which I guess would be great. There's a massive gift shop, a really huge gift shop with a really interesting breadth of goods, books, sculptures, not the usual kind of tourist junk. And it's well worth a visit. And the car park was rammed full, and I can see why. So my next step is the beaches. The beaches in Cape Town are amazing. Clifton Beach and Camps Bay are the most popular. There are four beaches in Clifton, and Clifton is rated by the travel segment on the Discovery Channel as one of the best set of beaches in the world. It's, it's very beautiful. This is where the beautiful people go. However, the water is freezing cold because it's the Atlantic, and I can't stress how freezing cold it is. And so almost nobody swims in the sea. I did it once for a bet, and it was pretty nasty. Now, to get to Clifton Beach, you walk down some cliff steps and all around are stunning mansions, stunning apartment blocks. It's a place to be seen and watch the beautiful people. So a lot of people prefer to go a bit further along the coast to Camps Bay, which is a little further drive down and much less showy. My next tip is Kloof Street. Cape Town seems to always be evolving and changing. And this is especially true when it comes to places to eat and go out. It seems that Cape Town is a very social place to live in and people seem to go out to eat a great deal. As parts of the city get taken over by the tourist trade, it seems that new areas and places open up for the locals to enjoy. Now, Kloof Street is in the Tambourskloof part of the town at the base of Table Mountain. And this is one of these. This steep street has many beautiful old-style buildings, which in their day will have been huge houses over two levels with stunning views. Today they've become a series of restaurants and bars with great diversity. They range from takeaway pizza joints through to Thai, Vietnamese, healthy-eating, Italian. The street is very buzzing, both during the day when the cafes and healthy-eating places are busy with people catching up, and the evening is packed with young crowds. There's a real sense of community, and it's and it's much less dominated by tourists and much more its locals. So I guess tourists are still to discover the area. We spent quite a few evenings here as we found the restaurants more efficient and more passionate than many of the better known and tourist trade focused places where you're kind of encouraged to go to. And I guess that's because the places which the locals go to need to worry about repeat custom. 
We also found the owners and managers more involved and very much friendly in the Clue Street places. It's a very fun and vibrant part of Cape Town, great to stroll about in and eat in. And I would actually recommend Clue Street over Long Street, which many people recommend, and I did in, in you know five years ago. My next tip is Cape Point. Now, Cape Point is is a must. It's a drive out of Cape Town to the southwesterly point in Africa. It's the most furthest point of Africa. And the drive to Cape Point takes you along the coast, uh, mostly, mostly along the coast. And as you drive past quaint towns, you see gorgeous beaches, incredible views. And the road for most of the way is between the mountains and the sea. And it takes about an hour and a half. So it's, it's a relatively long drive. So it's definitely a full day trip. And it's best to set off early and head straight to Cape Point. As traffic to get there in busy times of the year can be really bad and slow because it's kind of only one lane uh, either way most of the time. It costs about 60 rand each, which is about 15 pounds, 10 pounds, something like that, $20, to get into the Cape Point Park. And then it's about six miles to Cape Point itself. There are many walks and other parts to go to, like the actual Cape of Good Hope. Now, the first person to ever sail around the Cape was a Portuguese explorer called Bartholomew Dias, right back in 1488. And he actually named it the Cape of Storms because it was so violent and so many storms as this is where the Indian and Atlantic Oceans meet and come crashing together. Now, King John of Portugal later renamed it the Cape of Good Hope, which is what it's known of as today. There are, though, monuments with white crosses dotted at various points by the edges of the cliffs that mark where many, many ships were wrecked by the treacherous seas and rocks of the Cape of Good Hope or Cape of Storms. The sea is very dangerous and very perilous around here, and many ships have been wrecked, so Dias probably had the more accurate name. Now at Cape Point, there's a famous lighthouse which is built right high, 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 high up on the cliffs. It was built in around 1860 or so. And in its day, the light could be seen 60 kilometers out to sea, but it was often surrounded by clouds and mist, so no one could ever see the light. So it was largely ineffective for large parts of the time. And after the sinking of the Lusitania in 1909, they actually relented and built one lower down that would kind of operate all through the year. Now you can walk up a steep hill or catch a vernacular runway up a uh, railway, sorry, shall I say, up to the up to the top and you can climb right up to the old lighthouse. And the views are staggering. It's very high up on the cliffs and the sea is a gorgeous green. Birds kind of sit on the sides of the cliff and, and nest in the cliffs and it's just quite remarkable. And despite the many people, because it's very popular, it just feels very peaceful up there. Now you're right at the end of Africa, although strictly speaking, you're not really, because the real end geographically is a little bit further down the coast. But you're generally viewed on what's supposed to be the southernmost point of Africa. So most people would claim they've been to the very end of Africa. And apparently it's much more breathtaking and wild than the real geographical end point. Now, there's also a walk called the Light Keeper's Walk that takes you along a narrow clifftop further out to the huge cliffs above the sea. Now, you need to be very fit. This takes about an hour and a half, and it's, it's a little bit more grueling. But Cape Point, I believe, is a must-do. Now, on the drive there, you will likely come across baboons on the road. Now, watch out for them, because they're very cheeky and after your food if you have any. On the way back from Cape Point, you should stop in to see the penguin colony at Boulders uh, Bay. You should stop in Simon Town, which is the South African naval base, and then the very colonial-looking and slightly hippie town of Kulk Bay. Let me just talk to you a little bit about each of them. Simon's Town, it was originally founded in 1743 as a winter anchorage 
by the first governor of the Cape, Simon van der Stel, and that's why it's known as Simon's Town. Now, when the British invaded Cape Town and took over the Cape, they based the Royal Navy there in about 1806. And so there's always been a Navy kind of heritage. And in 1957, it became a South African Navy base, and it's still pretty much the center of the South African Navy. In fact, one time when we were there, the Navy was having a big Navy day. You could actually go and, and take a look around various ships. Now, Boulders Rock, quite nearby Simonstown, there's a massive penguin colony. Now, usually everyone racks with penguins, but it's hot in South Africa. It's hot. But remember, the sea is very cold as it's the Atlantic and freezing. So in Boulder Bay, there are what are called jackass penguins, which are the only species of penguin that have ever colonized the African continent. There's over 3,000 of them. And they're little raised walkways through the area, so you can actually get really, really close to them. It's quite a sight. Many, many years ago, you used to actually be able to swim with them. But you don't seem to be able to do that anymore. In Kalk Bay, let me talk about Kalk Bay. This is a very quaint and fun town. It's on the way from Cape Town to Cape Point, or if you prefer Boulder Bay, Penguins, or Simonstown Naval Base. It's a popular holiday town and a weekend place to visit. And the main road which runs through the town gets very clogged and very slow. And it's very hard to find somewhere to park. It's very popular. The main part of the town is charming. And the architecture from its heyday as a weekend and holiday stop reeks of colonial times. Although the buildings could probably do with some investment, they have amazing charm. And these old colonial houses and buildings are filled with antique shops, with restaurants, with quirky art galleries, jewelry shops. And the charm being that they're all made by local artists, so the products and things tend to be very unique and very different. And it's really, really, really worth visiting. There's a distinctly hippie feel a lot of the time. You see things like tarot card reading, psychic shops. There's a very small harbour and a harbour house which serves great food and great views, but it, it's really busy. But it's a lovely town to wander around. There seems to be lots of guest houses, holiday apartments, great ocean views, and it's, of course, handy for popping along the road to see the penguins. The only other places that you could recommend if you're looking for days out from Cape Town is Stellenbosch, which is a very popular drive, and that's the famous wine area of South Africa. So that's Stellenbosch. And another very popular place and fast-growing is Franschhoek which is a little town which is becoming famous for its food, famous for its restaurants, and famous sort of for like cabaret type and other type of theatre. So that's Cape Town Revisited with much more tips around uh, things to do around and about Cape Town. Hope you've enjoyed that until that happy travels. Don't forget there's a number of different ways you can get Tips for Travelers content. There's obviously the audio podcast, which you're listening to, which is you can subscribe to through iTunes. And if you do, I'd be great next time in iTunes to maybe rate and leave a review. There's also the Tips for Travelers video podcast, which is more shorter, bite-sized videos of attractions, hotel rooms, and video tours. And you can again get that through iTunes by searching Tips for Travelers or Tips for Travelers video podcast. There's also, if you have the iPhone, there's the iPhone app, so again, search Tips for Travelers in the App Store. And the app gives you all the video podcasts uh, and more some which aren't on the, on the video podcast, all the audio podcasts, uh, PDFs with tips for each destination, and a free downloadable ebook. And finally, if that doesn't satisfy you, if you go to YouTube and search for Tips for Travelers, you'll also find a bunch more videos. So that's it for now. Until next time, it'd be great if you visit the site at tipsfortravelers.com. Leave a comment, leave a blog, leave a suggestion, and I'll, until then, happy travels. You've been listening to Tips for Travelers, the global travel destination podcast. 
A new destination with first-hand based advice, recommendations, and tips is added each month. If you subscribe to the podcast, thanks for your support. If you don't, you may want to consider subscribing by searching Tips for Travelers or Gary Bembridge on iTunes or your favorite podcast directory. You can then subscribe to the Tips for Travelers Global Travel Destination audio podcast or the video podcast with hotel rooms and attractions. To find out more, visit tipsfortravelers.com, where travelers spelled the UK way with two L's, or email me at gary at mytravelreviews.com. Co.uk.